Dominic. How are you? Very good. How's everything, Rene? Things are going well. Thank you very much for asking. So, yes, uh, so I have a question for you. Uh, and this is about a subject that has been making the rounds quite a bit over the last few months. And it seems to be maturing. And that has to do with ESG. Now, I guess the question that I want to ask you is, what is ESG? Let's start with the definition of what this thing is. Well, I think it includes corporate policies, how it addresses climate change. Social criteria talks about how it mandates relationships with employees, its suppliers, its customers, and the communities where it operates. And that's going to be very key. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is government criteria, which deals with a company's leadership, its executive pay, its audits, its internal controls, and control environments, and how they respond to its shareholders. Okay. It, it sounds to me like it's, it's uh, the maturity, if you will, of uh, corporate social responsibility that was around maybe late 70s or even early 80s, uh, where we're looking in terms of the organization and its role and its impacts with the many, many stakeholders that it interacts with and that are, is, is affected by. So yeah. we, we're looking at how these broad categories are going to impact, like you said, the environment, uh, the social element, and, and governance. Now, when we think in terms of who it affects, you mentioned uh, investors, uh, just now, but who else is being affected by this uh, that we need to be on the lookout for? I think what we have to be keen on is that in addition to investors, it's going to affect the consumers, okay? Mm -hmm. It's going to defect, I'm sorry, not defect, it's going to have a direct impact on how an organization acts responsibly as part of its corporate strategy mm -hmm. and how it's going to reduce carbon emissions. And, and just to take a step back, back in 2015, uh, the Paris Agreement, where a number of organizations got together and basically you know, got together and says, we need to reduce our carbon emissions by 40% by 2030, and then a net zero carbon emissions by 2050. So a lot of these companies, specifically in the UK and in the EU, are basically focusing on these mandated uh, disclosures and items to reduce carbon emissions uh, going forward and address it as part of their recording process as part of the financials. Uh, a lot of this is going to be done by federal regulators, you know, which will provide long-term sustainable investments for its, for its investors, as well as environmental safe products for its consumers. So as we're looking at this, uh, it, it sounds like a lot of it has to do with compliance and meeting requirements, and, and those are still evolving. But I would imagine that this goes even beyond that. So you, you, when we're talking earlier about the organization itself and, and its impacts on the environment and, and on employees and other individuals, right, local communities and so on, uh, it sounds to me like it, it goes back to the values, to the mission, to what the organization is about and how most of them uh, state in, in one way or another that they are basically trying to improve people's lives, that is going to improve their economic standing, that is going to create jobs, it's going to strengthen local communities. So it seems to me like that is a very big part of it, which is basically going back to the mission and helping organizations achieve its economic goals, if they're for profit, uh, and try to do it in such a way that is going to be lighter in terms of the impact that it has on the world. Is, is that one way of thinking about this that is beyond compliance? It is about achieving that higher purpose. Yes. I, I guess the best word to say what you just described, Hernan, is sustainability. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're looking at it from a financial perspective, and mm -hmm. we're looking at it from a social perspective. Uh, the governance piece comes in also into it because that's where individuals at an organization need to be, have a, a corporate culture 
that they are going to, from a top-down perspective, help its employees and help its society and the communities around them address this uh, ethics or this culture that they're going to go forward. And I think it's important. I mean, and one of the big things I find with behavior is that this is going to be a life-changing uh, area, not only for corporate, but also for our compliance and audit professionals. I mean, they are going to be playing a key role from the independent and assurance perspective to make sure these controls are implemented and that these ESG factors are addressed as part of their risk. So it becomes a really keen looking forward future uh, culture that needs to be instilled uh, in its employees and as part of its reporting process going forward. If we go back in terms of that objective risk control and, and testing uh, uh, the dimension, right? If we go to the very beginning of that, when it comes to objectives, and we spoke about some of those in terms of that uh, sustainability dimension to it, we're talking in terms of the organization and its impacts and so on. So it, it sounds to me like part of what we're also looking at is how the organization is going to redefine itself and its model. So if they have yes. not been clear enough about how they're going to address some of these things, they need to start with that, make those clear pronouncements, communicate that to the entire organization, and then we're going to hopefully have everyone move in the right direction in unison, right? We're going to try to get everybody to move together to achieve yeah. those things. And then we're going to verify and, and, and determine that we're in compliance or not. But it sounds to me like there's a huge, uh, let's call it opportunity, for the organization to articulate its position when it comes to this. Is that right? That is correct. I mean, right now, uh, here in the U.S., we are behind implementing any specific rules regarding ESG disclosure requirements or any, you know, for public traded companies. As I mentioned earlier, the United Kingdom and the European Union have already taken steps and rules and mandates to put this forward. So here in the U.S., we're kind of like almost in a wait and see attitude to say, what is the SEC? What is the Security and Exchange Commission going to provide? Mm -hmm. What rules, such as in the form of frameworks or in the form of controls, or how are we going to implement this going forward? So they really haven't taken hold on this because the SEC is still out there waiting to define two specific rules that it's going to implement. There's one called the investor rule, and the other one is called the rule regarding uh, public disclosure or issuer rule. And these two specific rules, which are already out for uh, feedback from investors and from other clients, uh, are waiting for feedback so they can implement these sometime in 2023. So it's we're, we're behind the ball, but it's something that we need to develop now because this is not going to be something that's going to be layered in and implemented over time. This is something that has to be done immediately and will be required by publicly traded companies. Okay, so so the fact that the turnaround time is going to be so narrow, they, they really need to start to think in terms of where we are now. And it, it, are organizations doing some kind of a diagnostic at this point, or may, perhaps we can call that preparedness assessment or anything like it? Is that something that is happening? I think a lot of companies right now are looking, what is other companies doing? What are we doing from the same industry basis? There are a number of frameworks and controls that are out there. We have the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. We have the ISSB, which is the International Sustainability Standards Board, which is part of the IFRS. We also have the Global Reporting Initiatives, the GRI. And, and just in that context, 
There are so many different organizations out there providing data that the companies basically have to look at and say, they're going to pick and choose what is best for the industry and their organization and how they feel can they use as part of the sustainability standards going forward. So right now, it's basically they're using these tools that are out there already, mm-hmm. but there hasn't been a specific mandate which ones they need to use and which ones can complement their organization strategy going forward. Is that likely to create a challenge, though, in terms of comparability? So if we're looking at, uh, let, let's just pick any industry, let's say manufacturing. So if we have two organizations within manufacturing and one is following one set of standards, another one following another set of standards, are those metrics and disclosures going to be comparable? It sounds to me like there's potential for things to not be, and then it's going to create a, an interesting, let's call it an interesting dynamic uh, yeah. when we start to look at compa- our organizations horizontally. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's the confusion that uh, consumers, investors, and companies are having right now is that from a comparability perspective, one company may say we're going to be using, let's say, the GRI standards, and another company is going to be using the the ISSB standards. Well, they may have some type of comparability, but in the long run, they are not going to be able to be measured equally. And, and that's a concern that right now investors are having is that, well, what standard is out there that can be used across the board from all organizations? And that's why these mandates or these regulatory disclosures that are in right now with the SEC need to be finalized and provided out to organizations so they in turn can implement them and have some type of comparability among same industries, same, you know, different types of uh, products. So it it becomes really important that this is going to be something that's going to be really looked at closely uh, from an investor and a consumer perspective, because uh, without proper metrics to mo- to go ahead and monitor an organization, you know, benchmarking how they're doing mm-hmm. their sustainability efforts going forward is going to be very hard and confusing for investors and consumers alike. This is very interesting uh, and something that we definitely need to continue to to monitor. But before we come back to this topic, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll continue our conversation regarding ESG. Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. Well, we're back, uh, continuing our conversation about ESG. And Don, one of the things that uh, comes to mind is this overarching question around the effect that this will have on internal auditors and compliance professionals. And I'm thinking in terms of everything from that uh, audit program development to uh, how you're going to then communicate the results and all of the things that we typically do that are now going to be related to ESG. So what are the kinds of effects that auditors in particular internal auditors and compliance professionals need to be aware of and how it's going to affect what they do. Right, and I, and I think you hit it right on the nail, Hernan, is that there are two these two key areas, the compliance and audit professionals. They're gonna be playing a key role and it's part of their independent assessment and assurance process to ensure that controls are implemented 
and they address these ES fact, ESG factors mm -hmm. and the risk around them. Keep in mind that ESG is still a risk-based scenario process here. And we need to make sure that these controls have been identified and they're properly working effectively and efficiency, uh, efficiently, okay? Mm -hmm. The corporate leaders, they're going to be looking at them to assess their ESG internal controls and benchmark them. And they're going to be looking forward, looking toward, I should say, the compliance and order professionals to make sure that they have identified the controls in place. And these could be based on their best practices that are in right now from an industry standard, as well as any defined metrics they are going to be using that's going to be reported externally to investors, consumers, and other companies that will be looking for this information. So, so we're moving beyond uh, voluntary disclosure and uh, sustainability report that up until now, for the most part, have been voluntary and at the discretion of organizations. And from what I'm hearing from you now is that this is going to become a compliance requirement. It's going to be liability potentially. And from an investor perspective as well, they're also going to expect certain things that they can do benchmarking and do financial analysis because there's going to be, I will imagine, a lot of rating that is going to happen, as we do yeah. with other things, where organizations will be compared to each other, and then who is the better company uh, in terms of the different categories, and where will I then move my investments? We're going to have individual investors, we're going to have institutional investors, and these things are going to drive decisions. So this is definitely not something to be taken lightly. Uh, in terms of reporting standards then, so after the auditors do their review, we're going to have some kind of reporting mechanism, I will imagine. So what does, yes. what does that look like from a reporting standards perspective? I, the auditors and compliance directors need to look at what are the current frameworks and controls that are going to be in place and any defined metrics that are going to be developed internally as well as reported externally out there. Mm -hmm. So you, you take a look at what the auditors need to address. They need to determine, you know, are the, the reporting standards will address the risk and does it capture, and the word here is opportunity out there that will support its ESG goals. So an area from a company based uh, where uh, one reporting area from a one company is not doing a good job on its ESG will, be, will actually become an opportunity for another company. Mm -hmm. And these opportunities is something where the companies will take advantage of as part of this ESG initiative as part of the sustainable goals going forward, which is also related as to how they're going to implement it as part of their long-term strategy. So again, opportunities, strategies, long-term strategy, sustainability are going to be key concepts on what they're going to be using. They're going to identify what are these disclosures and do these disclosures address these key areas of opportunities, uh, sustainability, and long-term strategy. Also, as I mentioned earlier, there are a number of organizations out there that are providing these frameworks. As I mentioned, the ISSB, the Global Reporting Initiative, the GRI, or the International Financial Reporting uh, Standards, the IFRS. They are going to have to pick and choose and say, which one of these standards and frameworks complement my industry that mm -hmm. I can use that going forward and use it as a benchmark for my tool? and make sure that from an industry specific, that I'm taking my best step forward. Until mandates are provided by the SEC, the Security Exchange Commission, it's gonna be up to the companies and their leadership to make sure that they're putting their best step forward to identify what are the standards, what are the frameworks, and what are the disclosures that I'm gonna be reporting out there. 
And, and, and you keep in mind, this all comes back from an internal audit perspective. Do we have proper accuracy and completeness of the controls? Are they accurate and complete? Are they effective and efficient? It's almost like SOX revisited, if you really want to look at it that way, but from a sustainability perspective. So it really becomes important, you know? And then keep in mind, metrics determined internally as well as externally, because there are third-party providers out there, such as Standard & Poor's, Refinitiv, Moody's, who are providing third-party metrics that they will use to gauge a company's uh, ESG disclosure and reporting products out there that they'll use as a benchmark. So this becomes a really important area for compliance and audit professionals and how they're going to move forward with this. From, from what you're seeing so far, uh, is there a central repository for these reports where things will be consolidated and, and centralized? Or you find that this is uh, decentralized and people will have to go to each individual's company's investor page uh, and find out what these reports are? Right now, at this point, we're looking at it from a very decentralized uh, area. This has become a new area where a lot of companies that I mentioned earlier in our podcast is more from a wait and see. There isn't a repository out there, uh, a documentation. Uh, you would have to go to the IF IFRS documentation on their website. You would have to go to the GRI.org uh, website to get information there. You'd have to go to the areas such as a task force on, you know, climate related financial disclosures. So it's more of getting an understanding, learning what's out there, and then picking and choosing what's best for your organization. I do have to say the GRI has provided standards based by industry. So whether you're a, a consumer products, insurance, financial services, they've actually developed standards out there by industries. So, which is very helpful out there, but there is no one one all repository out there that can be used uh, for all organizations. Now, that may change once these federal mandates come into play. But right now, it's organizations need to take the first initial step to go find it out for themselves. So, so, so is decentralized in terms of the requirements, but also decentralized. And what I was thinking is in terms of where you submit your report. Like, for example, in the case of the SEC, everybody submits their financial statements to the SEC, right? So Correct. you have that centralization of the reports. Uh, in this case, is decentralized for the standards and is decentralized for the reporting as well. So uh, right. as it stands right now. Now, another question I have has to do with the frequency of these reports. So uh, with financial statements, we have have 10 Qs and we have 10 Ks. We have the quarterlies and we have the annual. Is there also any indication as to how frequently these reports need to be produced and submitted? Well, it's a great question. There's a lot of companies out there already issuing out what's called sustainability and social responsibility reporting, or basically ESG reporting. So they're actually developing a document which they can provide to its investors, to the SEC, to consumers to say how they are uh, social conscious, environmental conscious, and governance conscious out there. Uh, but in addition to that document, there is also a need by the SEC to report on ESG, sustainability, and financial frameworks going forward on their quarterly as well as their annual perspective as part of their 10Q and their 10K filings. So yeah, you have it two ways. You have it both from an SEC reporting perspective, but you also have it from an internal perspective where companies are providing social responsible documents in the form of an ESG report 
out there for consumers, investors, and clients to look at. With, with, with short intervals, if we're talking about quarterly, definitely very frequently. Uh, now, yeah. in terms of the implementation of the ESG initiatives, then, uh, we're looking at a number of different things organizations need to do, and fairly quickly, to, to get up to speed with the, with the needs that are going to come down the pipeline pretty soon. So, in terms of the implementation of those initiatives, what are the kinds of things that you're seeing? I think there are really a, a, a number of key factors that an organization needs to look at. I think, first of all, identify board and management oversight. Who's going to be responsible in the organization for this ESG implementation? Mm -hmm. uh, we need to be a team put together to ensure that ESG is going to be rolled out and that information, not only at the top, but also at the middle and lower levels of an organization are uh, rolled out. So people have a good understanding of what they are responsible for. You know, internal and external stakeholders are going to be key. So you're going to be having organizations going out there that need to train individuals about ESG, uh, environmental, social, and governance. So there are a lot of organizations out there, including the big four uh, accounting firms that are providing tools and training out there. Uh, and as well as ACI is also providing training on this uh, subject as well. But there are different areas where we need to ex in ensure that proper training is going to be key internal and external for stakeholders. Um, one of the key areas of ESG is once we have all this data, how are we going to put it and how are we going to use it? Right. So it is going to be an ESG data governance strategy it's going to have to be developed in an organization and how they're going to use, whether it be manual, electronic, you know, where we're storing this data and how this data will be, need to be reported on a timely and recurring basis. We can't have stale data. We need something that's going to be up to the minute inf information that can be provided to investors, to consumers, as well as to management. Okay. You need to look at what, and I, and I mentioned earlier, uh, about controls. This is still going to be based on a risk-based uh, perspective. So you need to look at controls and how you have what you have in place and identify which of those can be used as part of your climate uh, related initiatives or need to develop new controls. So I don't want to say that we need to develop uh, everything from scratch, but look at what we have in place right now from a risk-based perspective mm -hmm. and how we can enhance those controls to create a climate related area of controls. Um, once we've leveraged that ESG this risk strategy, we can then go ahead and say, okay, let's define the controls that need to be in place, uh, ensuring that they address certain standards as well as frameworks that are out there right now that we can incorporate as part of a, a company's internal strategy and long-term strategy, mm -hmm. and then develop a risk appetite as well as how we're going to be rolling these controls out and what the company will be able to do going forward. Uh, all of this is going to be part of your ESG reporting uh, reporting strategy for uh, transparency and how you're going to be rolling this out going forward. From what you're describing, then, there are a lot of different steps that they need to contemplate and put in place, but also make sure that the process is going to be built and we're going to have an understanding of what the data points are going to be that we're going to capture and report on before we start thinking about uh, software. Because I will imagine that fairly soon, if we haven't yet, we're going to start to see a lot of uh, software being sold to manage this. And what tends to happen with this, as I've seen so many times in the past, is that organizations spending money on a software, not looking sufficiently at the process and the people that are going to work with it, and you'll end up with a yeah. piece of software that would not going to be fully utilized. Dom, right. 
thank you so much for helping us better understand ESG because this is big and it's going to be very relevant to what we do in this year and in the years to come. Thank you very much for helping us better understand all about it. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me.